know it's Valentine's Day coming up, man. I think it's like Tuesday, right? Man, all right, my wife, I think, is my wife in here? She's, I think she's downstairs with the baby. Yeah, she's, uh, uh, we're, and, and by the way, um, uh, if you're interested in, like, uh, helping out with a nursery type, if you're like a baby person, even if you're here just temporarily and stuff, uh, we can get your little background checks going and all of that, but uh, um, see either Erica, raise your hand, Erica, <laughs> or my wife. Uh, she's downstairs right now, and uh, because I think God's telling us to start preparing a nursery um, so that he can bring us little little babies, and uh, that's kind of cool. So anyways, uh, let them know, and uh, we'll get going there. But it's Valentine's Day, man, and um, uh, you know what I was really thinking? Shh, you probably can't hear me, all right, but... I was thinking, I got plenty of like dive masks, all right? So I was thinking on Tuesday, what my wife and I would do, I'd buy two underwater flashlights, Terry. And I was gonna like just sell some stuff I own and go buy my wife a spear gun and uh, a brand new spear gun. You know, one of those good ones. How much do they cost? Eight, nine hundred bucks, man. That's a sacrifice, right? Eight, nine hundred bucks. I was gonna sell something, whatever happened, and I was gonna buy her like a top of the line spear gun. I didn't get her a wetsuit, um, and what we would do is we'd go out to the state park out there, and um, I'll get her, I got fins and stuff that will be perfect for her, and we'll just put wetsuits on, and we'll wait till it's dark, you know, till uh, basically sunset when all the critters are out, and I thought I'd just take her on a shark dive, and for Valentine's Day, and so we would go out there, and we'd go on a little shark dive, we'd just leave right from the beach so that in case there's any feeding in the shallows, we'd be able to see them. And, you know, we won't miss anything. Doesn't that sound exciting, Fernanda, so far? Man, Terry, am I giving you good ideas? All right. You, you can steal it, all right, if you want. Maybe we can double date on that, all right? But, but anyways, uh, so I take her out, man. We'll go out there and chop a spear gun. And we're not going to spear any sharks, all right, because, you know, we just want to see those in the flashlight. And Terry tells me the cool thing about night diving is all you can see is what's in your flashlight. So you don't have to worry about anything else around you, you know? And so maybe what we'll do is we'll get out on the reef out there and we'll find us some nice juicy, juicy snapper. And pew, man, we'll just like harvest some snapper. And then we'll, we'll come back onto the beach and I'll build a little fire on the beach and we can get some sticks, you know, like Jesus style. And I'll gut the fish first, you know, and scale them a little bit, you know. But we'll just stick them on sticks and her and I can have just a romantic dinner that we caught spearfishing at night. And, um, and doesn't that sound awesome for your mom? No. Why? Tell me the first thing that's wrong with that. Oh, she doesn't swim. <laughs> well, you're underwater. You just got to come up and get a breath. I mean, come on. All right, we can get past that one. All right. Show snorkel. All right. Free diving. Right, what else? Is the sharks? Oh, she doesn't. Oh, it gets dark. She won't like being out in the water at dark. Does she ever like being in the water? No. <laughs> how, how about if we... How, what? What if we have some nice juicy snapper? What's that going to cost her to do? Vomit? Yes. <laughs> I'm just like, no, no. And, there, and it's so cool because God put opposites together. My wife doesn't like fish. She really doesn't like to go in the water in the dark. And she only likes going in the water really when it's super calm and she can just hang out on a boogie board. And it's awesome that God puts opposites together because we always have somebody to watch our stuff on the beach. It's, she, she loves just sitting on the beach doing nothing. And I always come up to her and I'm like, hey, honey, are you all right? Are you all right? Uh, and she's like, I would be if you would leave me alone. But in my mind, I cannot comprehend somebody being comatose on a beach staying still. Dude, I'm going postal worker if that happens with me. 
But so do you see what's wrong with me trying to hook my wife up with all of that for Valentine's Day? Would I have not made a lot of sacrifices for her? Yes, I would have made. It would have cost me dearly to be able to pull that plan off. And, and I would have had a blast. Terry, you want to go out with me for like Valentine's Day? <laughs> we'll let our wife go somewhere. Yeah, but you know, but, but it, I would have gone through all kinds of trouble, all kinds of effort. But the biggest problem is it's not what she wants. You gotta, I got to know my wife's heart. And you know what? I, I know what she wants. And I know what she wants me, what she would like for me to do with her. And that just leave her alone and let her watch Netflix. I'm just joking. But, <laughs> but I'm, what I'm saying is, is that, you know, you can go through all kinds of effort and energy and trouble to show someone you love them. But if it's not what they want, then it doesn't work out. Now, they might say an A for effort. Anybody here ever have somebody who's doing, giving them an A for effort, but you wish they would have put all of that into something else? Yeah. Yeah. I think Terry want, likes my idea for it. How special would that be if you hooked that all up for him? Man, would he know you love him? Yeah, I think, I think the bar's been set way high now. <laughs> Anything short of that, man, you're just, you know, all right. But anyways, so how do we love God? You know, how many of y'all have done things, all kinds of things to try to please God, to show your love for God? And, and, and you know, the Bible teaches us what it was required for us to love God. We have one way that we can love God. There is only one way that we can show God we love him. And that one way to show God we love him is through obedience. You understand? There is only, you can, I, I challenge you, give me any other way that you think you can love God and it will have to be tied back into obedience because of what he has said. You know, what did he say even, um, he said that uh, there's no greater love that someone can have than laying down your life for somebody. And he showed us that. And that was Jesus doing, showing that he loved the Father. And he was totally obedient to God the Father, even to death on the cross. You know, and that's how we can love him is by laying down our life for him. Not by calling the shots and telling him what we want, but finding out what he wants and doing that. He gets to choose the rules. He gets to do it. And if you are a believer, he gave you the desire and ability to surrender your life to him. He gave you that desire and ability, and you volunteered. He didn't harpoon anybody and pull you up, up on deck. He didn't catch you. He didn't, he didn't do anything. He gave you the desire and ability, and if you are truly born again, you signed on the dotted line willingly and gladly for what he had to offer because you loved him because he first loved you. And so in all of this, the way that we love God is through obedience and not a legalistic obedience. In a small group, uh, oh, Tanner, that, Fernando, you're, you're back here. A small group on Tuesday, we were talking the difference between honor and obey, you know? And, uh, and, and honoring somebody is doing it because you believe, like honoring and obeying your parents, the kids doing it and believing that their parents uh, know something. And that they're doing it because they believe their parents know what's best. Obeying is just going through the motions. Anybody here ever obey without honoring? You ever, you, ever, you ever obey begrudgingly? Speed limits, you know, things like that. Begrudgingly because that cop's behind you. How dare he put lights on behind me? But, you know, so, so there's a big difference. And what God says is that the only way, you search the Bible all through it, and the only way we can show our love for him is by obeying him. Now, the cool thing about that, there's a verse in Hebrews, before we get started in Acts chapter 5, there's a verse in Hebrews that says, without 
faith, it is impossible to please God. You guys know that verse? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So without faith, can, is there any way possible you can please God? No, he said it's impossible to please him without faith. And so he's a rewarder of those that believe he is who he says he is and that he's going to provide. And so in that verse, if you, the only way you can please God is if you end up in situations that require faith. So let me ask you a question. How many of y'all are in situations right now that require faith? Yeah. How many of you, how many, you know, I don't want you to raise your hand, but have you ever been buried before? You're buried in all kinds of circumstances, all kinds of situations, or you're looking way ahead in life and you're like, how's that going to work out? What's going to happen in the future here? How am I going to pay that? How am I going to do that? How am I going to satisfy that? And so on. And it requires faith. So if it's impossible to please God without faith, then God is the one giving you these opportunities to please him when he gives you a situation that requires faith. So how many of you have a situation in life that you say, I need some faith because I don't know how it's all going to work out? Dude, you know who gave you that opportunity? Laura, who gave you that opportunity? God, God did. So instead of like saying, man, why do I have this? And saying, God hates me. Or, man, what did I do? He's paying me back. You know, all this bad theology. What we need to understand is when we encounter a situation that requires faith, God's given that to us for the purpose of pleasing him. Now, what's it going to take to please him? Now, you have a situation. What now do you need to please him, Laura? Yeah, you need faith to be able to obey in that. So he gave you the situation. Anybody got a situation, right? We got a situation. And now we got a situation. And now we need faith to be able to obey him. And where do we get faith from? Him. So you see, he's given us the situation and he's going to give us the solution. He's giving going to give us the faith. But the way we're going to gain that faith is by obeying him. And by obeying him, when we choose to obey him, and we do what we know to do. When you don't know what to do, help me out. Yeah, come on. I know some of y'all know this. When you don't know what to do, what? Do what you know to do. And you know, some people, well, I don't know what he wants me to do. But you know plenty of things he does want you to do. So when you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. Start walking with him and let him start revealing things all along the way. And so as we obey him, man, as we obey him, we show our love for him. So... If I were to take my wife out scuba diving and she or, or snorkeling, sorry, in the middle of the night and I did cook up some fish. OK. And she wanted to show her lo her love for me. What would she do? She'd eat the fish right now. Is that for my wife, dude, she'd be gagging it. She'd have to eat it a couple times. All right. Sorry for that mental image. But but what I'm saying is, is the great if I watched my wife eat that whole fish, I would know, man, dude, she's either like lost it or she really does love me a lot. Uh, and there's other ways she could show me. But you know, what I'm saying the tougher the task, the more love we can, the more we can love God. So you might be sitting back thinking, man, I got a situation like you don't know. You, I got this going on. Man, I have got it worse than I've ever had. I need more faith than I've ever had. What God is doing, and he's, he's giving you a greater opportunity to love him. The greater the problem, the greater the situation, the greater the circumstances. If you're a child of God, he's not, not going to leave you hanging. The worse your circumstances are, the more faith it requires, the more faith and grace God's going to give you, and the greater your love for him can be. Because things don't always happen instantly, do they, Laura? 
Sometimes to get where you're at, it takes two and a half years. To get through it, it takes time. It's not instant. And so, man, by being obedient as you're walking through your daily life with him, man, sometimes walking for a long time, look how great a love you are showing him. Man, so I want you to be encouraged. If you tune everything else, we haven't got into the scripture yet, but you're going to see this is true in the apostle's life, is that you feel buried. You feel your situation is just beyond just salvaging, man. Understand as a child of God. He's going to give you the faith and grace you need to get through it. And you just simply accept it and you keep on swimming. You guys seen Nemo, right? Or are we past that? We're in the Dory generation now. You guys remember, remember when they were all in the net? Just keep swimming. Help me out. Come on with me. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep walking with him. And man, as just walking with him, you're showing your love for him. So the greater that situation, the more love you have a chance to show him. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Now, we're going to see this in the life of the apostles here. So as you remember, where we left off uh, at the very beginning, the first 11 verses of Acts chapter 5, Ananias and, and Sapphira, uh, they jumped on the Barnabas uh, bandwagon where Barnabas sold some property and by, because God told him to sell property. He then uh, brought all that money to the apostles' feet and they were using it to take care of everybody's needs. And, and Ananias and Sapphira saw it and said, ooh, we want a little bit of that glory. We want a little bit of that. Everybody saying, boy!" And so they sold property. Whether God told them to sell it or not, we don't know. Or whether God told them to give it all or not, we don't know. But basically they sold property, they brought the money in, and they went to lay it at the apostles' feet. And they, and they said, here it is. Here's all of it. But the problem was it wasn't all of it. They lied. They didn't have to lie. It was their property. It was their stuff. But they wanted a little bit of glory in all of that, too. And so from that story, we know that because they lied, because this whole thing was starting, that basically God took them out. God took them out. And so great fear came upon the church that, dude, you lie against God. You do stuff against God. There's some consequences here. So that's where we come up now. And we come up in verse 12, and it says, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. So what they're saying is that from this great outpouring, when God killed these people and said, I mean business, I want you to be sincere. I want you to be holy. I want you to be pure. How many of y'all have ever had God get your attention and say, I want to take you to another level? Hey, if you're going to represent me, I want you to represent me this way. You know what? Holiness and purity is... It, it, is, is what it takes to experience God's power. Now, we've been forgiven of all our past, present, and future sins, but, but the fact is, is that we need the power of the Holy Spirit, don't we? What quenches the power of the Holy Spirit? Sin. So that's why when we sin, man, even though we've already been forgiven, past, present, and future, we need to repent of that and say, God, I'm sorry, I don't want to do that again. If you know you're going to do it again, you know you're going to, but man, God, I don't want to do it again. Remember the Apostle Paul? He said, man, I hate that I did what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do. Anybody experience that this week? Anybody? You, you, look, you love God, and you did it again. You're like, oh, God, I didn't want to do that. Or, God, I meant to do that. Anybody else besides me? Yeah. That's part of the process in this, but it's because we love him that we want to obey him. But the fact is, is that when we sin, it quenches the Holy Spirit in our life. It kind of suffocates the power in all of that. And so, it, so God 
said, I want my people to be holy. And so it did set some things apart. The apostles now were going out and they were doing signs and wonders. And let me ask you a question. Was it all 5,000 plus people that were doing signs and wonders? No. You know what? A lot of people have the idea that the, the church in Acts was a miracle working church. But it really wasn't. It was the apostles as you read it clearly. God used the apostles were to, to do these signs and wonders and miracles to prove to the people that what they were saying was from God. Now, does God still do signs and wonders and miracles? Does he still do that? Yeah. But he gets to choose how and when and all of that and, and what it's going to be. And, and he gets to decide how that's all going to go down. And, and God's going to use whatever sign he needs to communicate what he needs to communicate in any given situation. And today, it might be different. You speaking to somebody may not need to heal them physically. Could God still heal somebody physically? Absolutely. But only if that's going to really make bring the point across. He may need to do something else. He may need to provide something. He may need to use you to say something or whatever. But bottom line is in this, man, there was some supernatural stuff going on. So much so, look at what that one part says. They were all in one accord, but it says none of the rest of the people, the people who didn't have Jesus, the people who didn't have the Holy Spirit, the people who were not born again yet, they kind of stayed away. They said, man, I don't want none of this stuff, man. I'm going to watch, okay? They hadn't given their life to Christ, and they said, I don't want to get involved with something I shouldn't be involved with because I see what the consequences can be. But look at verse 14, the same thing that goes on. It says, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, both multitudes of men and women. Let me see the next verse. Uh, okay, so multitudes were being added. So on one hand, you got people saying, I ain't going to play church, man. This is for real. <laughs> I'm not going to act like I'm a Christian because this is for real. I see, what, I see the power and the power is real. But at the same time, those who are willing to surrender everything they knew about themselves to everything they knew about God. Those who were willing to surrender it all, they were being added to it. And that's what it takes. It takes surrender. At some point in your life saying, man, I surrender all I know about me to all I know about you. And if all you know about Jesus is that he lived a perfect life, he died on a cross to pay for your sins. If that's all you know, then that's all you can surrender to and believe that that pays for your sins. But if you've been in church a long time and you realize you need to surrender, you've got to surrender it all. It's surrendering every bit of you. And that's what these folks were doing. And so it says, so now people were bringing out, there was over 5,000, 6,000, 7, they quit counting. The last number we have in the book of Acts ever recorded is 5,000. And there were just continually people being added. So it says, they, the, the people who had been surrendering, started bringing sick out into the streets, laid them on beds and couches, that the, at least the shadow of Peter uh, passing by might fall on them. Now, Notice nobody was healed. Now, what, what they're saying is there was Peter's shadow and there were people seeing the power saying, I want to be part of it. And they would bring people to be under Peter's shadow, thinking that was going to heal them. Now, do we have any record of anybody getting healed by Peter's shadow? No, we don't have any record of it, but the power was evident. They wanted a piece of it. And then it'd be up to Peter say, no, this isn't how it happens. And you're going to see Peter correct people later in all of this. But people saw the power. And I wonder in our lives, have people who have hung around us this week seen God's power? Have they seen God's power in your life? That's what God wants to do because he's called us to be poster children, to be his witnesses. 
And so, again, they saw the power. They were bringing sick people. Uh, there were those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Now, all of this demon possession and all the people getting spirits, you got to understand that back before Jesus, was God, in, was God present? I mean, he was over here, but was there a Holy Spirit in the world prior to Jesus? Just when God needed to interject things, when God needed to, you know, God had a job for somebody to do. But let me ask you a question. In our world where we live right now, is there a Holy Spirit present? And where is he present, EJ? In you. And Erica, he's in you. He's in every one of us believers here. So before Jesus, one of the greatest miracles that was needed because the Holy Spirit wasn't present as much as he is right now. In fact, Israel had 400 years of silence from God. And imagine how much havoc the devil could wreck on a world of 400 silence years of silence from God. And so when Jesus came, first thing they did was start casting out the demons, cast out. But now as we are full of the Holy Spirit, that's not as big a problem. This is still Satan's world that God's letting him kind of run the system and he's got a plan for it. But the fact is, is we don't have all the demon possessions they had back then. Now, what does the Bible teach is going to happen when the Holy Spirit is gone? By the way, what is the event that's going to happen that's going to remove a lot of the Holy, the Holy Spirit's presence? The rapture. If you're a believer, you're going, and the Holy Spirit's going with you. And the Bible even teaches that in those days that, again, it's going to happen where the devil's going to be prevalent. So, again, do we need to be casting devils out of everybody right now and everything? Not necessarily. If God wants to use you that way, let him use you. I've only experienced it twice in my life, okay? And it scared the mess out of me until I realized that Jesus is bigger than anything. So we've got other things. We're called to be witnesses. We're called to live this life in the power of the Holy Spirit and let people see how God works things out in our lives. And we simply love him by being obedient. So moving on, so that this is all going on at this particular time. Go ahead, Ethan. Then, now we get into the good stuff here, better stuff, good stuff here. It says the high priest rose up. All right, so what's happening at this point is these guys were all... And there were, can you imagine 5,000 people at the Jewish temple? Now probably almost 10,000 people at the Jewish temple. And they're all worshiping there. And, and they're all promoting that Jesus is risen from the dead. So the religious leaders of the day, the Sadducees, did they believe in resurrection? No, no they didn't believe in anything supernatural. And that's their, they, this is their business. They were selling and buying and selling goats and sheep and all this stuff. And this was their business. Now all of a sudden the disciples have... Five to 10,000 people at the temple every day messing up their business and messing it up by saying Jesus rose from the dead. And their theology didn't believe that there was any resurrection. And on top of that, what, how, how did Jesus, who killed Jesus? <laughs> they did. And so, man, this was not good for the Sadducees and religious leaders. This was totally going against everything they stood for everything that had, they had control over. And so the high priest rose up and all those that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were uh, filled with indignation. Now, I don't, we don't use that word indignation a lot. Did you use that word this week, Joyce, indignation? I am filled with indignation, all right? What, uh, do you guys have another translation for the word indignation in your Bibles? Uh, some of them have jealousy. We got that now? They were jealous. 
They were jealous because they were losing money, they were losing people, they were losing their system, and they were worried that Rome was going to freak out and all of a sudden just cause all kinds of wreck havoc on everything. That they, they killed Jesus so they could keep their system in place. And now these disciples are doing way more than what Jesus ever did there. And so they came together, and look what it says. They were filled with indignation or jealousy. Verse 18, they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. So they said, enough of this. We're in charge of all of this. So now, instead of just arresting a couple of them, they arrested all of the apostles. They grabbed them all, and they threw them in prison. And here's another but. I love the buts in the Bible. Look at verse 19. It says, but. Everybody say but. But. Yes. Man, there's something happening in our life, and it looks, looks bad, looks traumatic, looks horrible, but. And I see you on Facebook. You like the whole, like. Hey, how do you say it now? I've only read it before. But, 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 but. Uh, yeah. That's it. But, 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 but. And that's it when God, he sets things up to look so, like, hopeless. But he's giving us an opportunity to love him. He's giving us a situation where we can please him. And he's going to give us the faith to get through it, not in our timing, not instantly. But sometimes he knows that you're going to need a long road to hoe. He knows you're going to need time to build that faith. And if he solved it instantly, you'd be like, oh, awesome. And then you would be right back down the old path again. God knows when to rest you and he knows when to test you, folks. You get that? God knows when to rest you and he knows when to test you. And so here they threw all the apostles in prison. But, everybody just say but one more time. But, yeah, this is a big but right here. But, at night, they're in prison. All right, let me ask you a question. What would you be doing? These are the guys that arrested Jesus and, and manufactured the court case to crucify Jesus. And they're angry. They're ticked off at these problems. So we're all now, let's say they come in here and they arrest us. What are you thinking? Penny, what are you thinking? You're arrested now. They just, they, dude, you saw what they did to God. You believe Jesus is God. You saw how they got him arrested, crucified, killed. What are you thinking, Penny? Yeah, like, oh, okay, I don't know. Unless you're helping each other see life from God's perspective. And hopefully there's a Pollyanna in the crowd. Hopefully there's a, there's a positive person in the crowd, a pessimist, a, an optimist in the crowd. Hopefully somebody's encouraging somebody. And then when they get discouraged, somebody else is. But all of them are in jail, and I'm sure there was some talk. Man, what's going to happen? And in all of this, but at night, the angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. <laughs> the angel brought them out. Now, you get busted out of jail. What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? Hey, Matt, where are you going? Matthew, where are you going, man? You get busted out of jail, and it's like, okay, I just got busted for preaching the gospel and everything. I'm out. Where are you going to How many of y'all would run and hide? Anybody, honestly, you're, run, you're runners and hiders? Yeah, I'm right there with you. Running and hiding. But look at this. The angel who's speaking on God's behalf, he says this, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of life. Now, how many of you would say, but, <laughs> but, 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 that's all we got here. <laughs> but look what happened. These guys believed in Jesus so much more than they, and believed in his power so much more than they did the political system of the day. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and they taught. Look at that. 
They got busted out of jail for preach. They were preaching, got thrown in jail, got busted out of jail. And again, don't think that this is just some Barney Fife, Andy Griffith, little Mayberry jail, dude. This was the one that, that manufactured everything that was necessary to put Christ to death. You know, granted, Christ, yes, I do know, he gave himself up. But this is the most powerful court system at the time. And so here it is. They get out of jail, and they still had a few hours. How many of you, after you get out of jail, you're like, all right, we're going to go preach, we're going to preach. But in the next few hours, as you're getting tired and as you're making coffee, and Peter gets up and says, all right, boys, time to go preach again. How many of y'all are like, but, 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 but. <laughs> You've had a few hours to think about it. Anybody here ever been highly motivated of God? Yes, I'm going to do this. I'm charging hell with a water pistol. And then you take a few steps, and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, maybe I'll wait for some reinforcements. <laughs> I want you to see the faith. And the reason they had the faith is because God gave it to them. And the reason God gave it to them was so they could please him. And the only way we can show our love for God is through obedience. You can do it. <laughs> Look what he says. What are we waiting to hear? According to the Gospels, when we face him, what are we waiting to hear, Christians? Well done. Finish it up. Yeah, good and faithful. Did he say, well done, talented and eloquent? No, dude, I got no hope. <laughs> well done, beautiful and tall. Well, I'm a Stella. Well done, short and fat. Yeah, well done. Did he? But, you know, if he gave any other qualifications, we weren't going to make it. But he said, well done, what? Good and faithful. How many of you can be good when you follow and obey God? There is nobody here that is so untalented you cannot be good. It has nothing to do with your talent. It has to do with your will and surrender to him saying, God, I want to do what you want. We all can be good regardless of what we have and we don't have. How about faithful? He called us. He's going to judge us. He's, gonna, he, he, he's given us things to be that we can be. Everybody here can be good and faithful. And that's where these guys... They saw it. And besides, what if they got killed? Where were they going? Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Does that bother you right now? If God were to say, hey, I'm getting ready to, I'm going to take you to heaven. I mean, would you be okay with that? Yeah. Personally, I'm ready. I don't hate this world. The world's got nothing for me. But I don't need anything else. If God wanted to take me to heaven, that's awesome. And again, you're not going to find anybody. You'll be hard-pressed to find anybody that doesn't dig the stuff that we've got around us more than me. I'm a, as long as he's got me here and I'm in it, I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to try to show God's glory in it. I'm going to try to help people see life from God's perspective in it. But the minute he says it's time to go home, yep. Now, from a human perspective, is it kind of sad that I'm not going to see my family? Yeah. That I don't get to see Keone grow up? Was that sad? Yeah. You know, but it's not my choice. It's his. And heaven, I guarantee you, none of us are going to get to heaven and say, hey, can I go back? <laughs> none of us are going to do that. But man, the less this world has its claws in us, the more we long for our home in heaven. We got a home in heaven, folks, and, and, and that's going to be forever. And that's where these guys knew. They were, they were like, okay, we're on the job. We're on the clock for Christ right here. We're going to give it all. Worst they can do is kill us. But we're going to see they're going to do some other things before they kill us. <laughs> but in this, man, they didn't care. Their 
main motivation in life was to love God because they realized how much he loved them. They want to do nothing more than please God. And the only way we can please God, the only way we can show our love for God, back row, what's the only way we can show our love for God? I like how you guys threw your voice up here. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> right on, through obedience, man. So here it is. Look at this. Uh, uh, and when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning, and they taught. So what? We're going to obey God. We're going to do what God wants us to do. But, <laughs> all right, everybody say but. <laughs> but, there's always a but. <laughs> but the high priest and those uh, with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. So the disciples are back in, they're back in the temple, they're preaching, but all the elders had no clue of this. The Sanhedrin had no clue. None of the religious people who had thrown them in jail had a clue. The jail didn't even have a clue. That's how God worked. And so they were now getting this big council together and they were now going to teach these boys a lesson. And they were going to squash this thing that's killing their culture, that's killing their business venture, that's killing their religion, that's killing all of it. And they're going to put it into it right now because they have the power to do it. But boy, did they have the power to do it? Is your power anything compared to God's? Man, don't fight God. <laughs> it's not worth it. But <laughs> when the officers came and did not find them in prison, they returned and reported. They're like, dude. They're not here. <laughs> Verse 23. Indeed, we found the prison shut securely. The guards were standing outside of the doors like nothing had happened. But when we opened them, there was no one in the cell. I love this next part. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they what? <laughs> Wondered what the outcome could be. <laughs> it wasn't going along according to their plans. They're like, what is going on? Because these guys were gone. They had them secured, and now they're gone. Look at the next verse. So one person came and told him, saying, look, hey, you know those guys we threw in jail? Did you guys let them out? Robert, did you let them out? No, you didn't let them Man, you know where they're at? I thought they weren't allowed to preach anymore. They're not allowed. And he said, look, you know those guys we put in prison? They're in the temple preaching. How do you think the Sanhedrin felt at that point? How do you think all these religious? They were calling this big court you know, this big convocation of leaders together to throw the hammer down. And now they hear not only these guys escape, but they're doing the very thing they, they, they demanded that they didn't do. But God told them to do. Verse 26, then the captain went with the officers, brought them uh, without violence, for they feared the people lest they should be stoned. So again, you remember that with Jesus? The, these religious leaders, they make decisions based on popularity. They want to be politically correct. It's all, you know, not what God wants you to do, but what's going to be the most favorable thing right now. And they didn't want the people to stone them because, man, you got five, six, ten thousand people that are following them. And so they go and get them and they brought them without violence. And I hey, come with us, come with us, come with us. They're bringing them there, 27. And they brought them and set them before the council. And the high priest asked them. I don't think he asked, but go ahead. He said, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Now, that's pretty cool right there. Didn't we command you not to do this? Well, yeah, you did. But who commanded him to do it? God did. Okay. There's valuable lesson there. And look at this. And, and, and do you notice what name they couldn't say? Hey, Ashley DeWitt, what name couldn't they say? Jesus. Oh, yeah, 
yeah, man, the name of Jesus. They said, didn't we command you to, to not to teach in that name? They couldn't even say the name of Jesus, man. <clears throat> and look, oh, man, wouldn't this be a great indictment on you if your job was to fill Jerusalem with the name of Jesus? Look what they said, and they brought it as criticism. And you have filled all of Jerusalem with this doctrine. And then they went on and said, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. So now, you remember when Pilate washed his hands of Jesus? Pilate washed his hands of Jesus and um, said, I don't want nothing to do with all of this. Do you remember what the Sanhedrin said at that point? I'll give you a hint. They said, well, let this man's blood be on our hands. Wow, isn't it all coming to pass? They didn't know they were so prophetic and all of that. And so here they are, blasting disciples, saying, man, you guys shut up. You guys quit teaching. You guys got to stop. We are the authority. We will put an end to all of this. So look at the next part. But Peter, you, you remember the night when, Peter, when Jesus was, was being crucified? Do you remember what it took to scare Peter? Anybody remember what it took to scare Peter? A, a, a lowly little servant girl. <laughs> you remember that? He's with him. Oh, no, I'm not. And he denied Christ. He denied him from a, the accusations of a little servant girl. But now look that he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Who is he standing up to? The most powerful people in the universe at that point, aside from God. It says, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. Now, you know what? We are told by Paul, which, by the way, in this Sanhedrin, this group, guess who was there as an unsaved man? The Apostle Paul, I'll show you that in a minute. He was probably there in all of that, and he's remembering all of this when he got saved. And so when you read the epistles of Paul, realize Paul was part of getting these guys beat and getting these guys arrested and all of that. And so, but they said, we should obey God rather than men. And so the Bible does teach that we obey the authority over us. Unless, unless what? Yeah. Unless what, Judy? Judy, unless what? I like your new hair, dude. It looks good. Yeah. Unless we should obey God unless what? I mean, obey the authority puts over us unless what? Charlie Hill Brown, man. Yeah. It, unless it's against God. Yeah. We obey authority. God puts those over us, and we obey that authority as long as it's not asking us to do anything against God. That's how that works. But here, he said, man, we ought to obey God rather than men. And that's true for us today. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus. You don't believe in the resurrection, by the way, so I'm going to preach it to you again. He says, the God of our fathers uh, raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. So, yeah, the blood is on your hands, guys. Him, God, has exalted to the right hand to be the prince and savior. And by the way, this word prince means originator, pioneer of our salvation, and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. So what was he hoping to accomplish based on that last line? What was he hoping to accomplish in the Sanhedrin? He was hoping they would receive it and they would receive forgiveness and of their sins through repentance. But do we have any indication they did? Instead of letting their heart become soft, instead we're going to see it gets harder and harder. And he says, and we are witnesses to these things. We're witnesses to this resurrection. We're witnesses to the power of the Holy Spirit. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who, what's that word? Obey. obey. The only way we can show our love for God is to what? Obey. To obey. Next verse, please. Then they heard this. 
and they got on their face before God, and they said, we are wrong. <laughs> We're willing to give up this whole temple. And yes, everything we told our kids for generations, we are wrong. We see now that it was wrong to crucify Christ. And, and man, he is risen because of this power. We're wrong. And we all want to become born-again believers. Is that what they said? No, dude. Isn't that what God's intention was? But that's not where they're at. They heard the same things you heard when you got born again. And so it says they heard this. They were what? Furious. furious. Hey, has anybody here ever been furious? Yes. Hey, yeah. Hey, Al, what happens when you're furious? Do you hear anything after being furious? <laughs> yeah, you're furious, and it's almost now like you got cotton in your ears. And you only, and you only hear what you want to hear because it's going on in your mind, right? They were furious. They let their emotions take over. They were furious. And what did they do now? They plotted to kill them. This is the first time that now the disciples are being threatened with their lives. They plotted to kill them. Um, and then it goes on to say, then one in the council stood up. It was a Pharisee named Gamaliel, okay? Now, I don't know if I said that right or not, but when you start reading about Paul in the book of Acts, as we will probably next year by this time, um, you'll, uh, uh, maybe before then, maybe by Christmas, I don't know, but you'll see that that was his teacher. He was the most respected liberal Pharisee teacher of the day. It was a teacher of the law held in respect by all the people, and he commanded them to put the apostles outside because he wanted to talk to them and, and reason with them a little bit. So look what Gamaliel says here. And again, this is why we believe Paul was in this group right here. He goes on in verse 35. He said to just the council, he said, men of Israel, take heed yourselves what you intend to do regarding this man. He says, for some time ago, there's a guy named Thaddeus. He rose up claiming to be a somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him, and he was slain. And then all who obeyed him were scattered, and they went to nothing. He said, then this other man, Judas of Galilee, he rose up in the days of the census. He drew away many people after him. By the way, that is the father of the, uh, um, the zealots. He said he drew a number of people after him, but he died, and all who obeyed him were dispersed also. And now I say to you, keep away from these men. Let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it's going to come to nothing. Sounds good, doesn't it? If it's, a, if it's a man, it'll come to nothing. But let me ask you a question. For someone who's so learned in the Bible, somebody who is the top scholar of the day, do you think that's wise counsel? He said, if it's not of God, it's going to come to nothing. But let me ask you a question. How many things are not of God that have come to something in this day and age? Would they say the only thing necessary for evil to prevail is for a good man to do nothing? nothing. So this guy was just a big wuss, is what he was in all of this. If he really believed this was a man, he should have stood up against it and said, no, this is a man, and let's, let's squash it right here in all of this. And so, so in this, it, it, again, if you just do nothing, I mean, it sounds like a peaceful, compromising thing to do, but think about that. I don't know that that's what we're called to do is nothing. Now, there are some times where you've got to pick and choose your battles, and it's good to do nothing, but this guy here... Being who he was and knowing what he knew about the Bible, he should have been able to make a decision on this. So he says, you know what? If it's, if it's not of God, it's going to come to nothing. So how many things do we have in this world right now that have come to be something big that aren't of God? Do we have a lot of things? Just go look on the Internet today. 
Go look on your Facebook page and see all kinds of false theologies, religions, hopes, and philosophies, and all these different things that go against the word of God that are not of God, but they've come to be something so much so that our whole country and our whole world believes in them. You know what I'm saying? So it sounds like a great thing. Ah, just let it be. It'll become nothing. But, dude, you got sin in your life? Don't take that approach. <laughs> I'll just let it be. It'll come to nothing. No, dude, it's going to grow like a cancer, man. It's going to grow like a tumor. And that's what happens with evil. And as believers, we're supposed to be salt and light. We share the truth. I'm not saying be an idiot about it. I'm not saying beat people over the head with a Bible or a bat. But we're supposed to be at least living that truth. And we're supposed to be influencing where we're at. So he says, man, if it's a, it'll come to nothing. I think that's wrong. Verse 39, but if it's of God, you cannot overthrow it. Now he's right there. If it is of God, you can't fight God and overthrow it, lest you be found to fight against God. And so this guy was the most learned Bible scholar of the day. The most learned Bible scholar of the day, man. And I would have thought he had had enough to be able to know that there was a God. But let me ask you a question. Does salvation come from your head to your heart? Do you ever know enough to say, yes, I'm going for it. I'm now going to put all my faith and trust in it. No, it doesn't come from your head to your heart. It comes from your heart to your head. God says, hey, trust in me. And take that little seed of faith that I've given you and grow it. Just start walking with it. When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. Start walking in it, and he'll keep teaching you, and your faith will grow. And so he goes on. We're almost done here, guys. And um, you guys, thank you for enduring 40-something verses today, but this will get us to the end of five. This all goes together. Go back again, Ethan, real quick. So look, he says, it, 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 you don't want to fight against God. So go ahead, Ethan, verse 40. And they agreed with him, and when they had called for the apostles, they beat them and commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. So they didn't really do nothing, but check this out. They, he, they agreed with Gamaliel, and they said, okay, yeah, we'll just do nothing. We're not going to keep him for We're not going to crucify him. But look what they did do. They beat him. You just read that, and it's nothing, right, Kevin? But what about when they beat Jesus? What did they beat Jesus with? A cat of nine tails. And, and that's the same thing they beat, they scourged these guys with. All 12 of the apostles were scourged. There was a cat of nine tails, nine pieces of leather on it. And at the end was bone and glass and metal and different things that were meant that when they hit, they stuck into your back. And the guys who were the expert beaters, what they did when they hit you, they made sure it stuck. And then they would just literally rip it down your back. And they would open it up. And now this was supposed to be a deterrent, but many people died from this beating. And does anybody know how many times they beat them? Yeah, 39 usually because the, the Old Testament said you can't go over 40. So just so they're in line with God and don't didn't, make sure they didn't miscount by one or two, they hit people 39 times. 39 times nine holes in their back and ripped down to shreds. So they go, bam, and then rip it down. You imagine having nine claw marks ripped through your back? Now times 39, your back is wide open, and you don't have much to hold your guts in or anything else in all of that. That's what it says when they beat them. We just read that, oh, yeah, they beat them, and they let them go. <laughs> don't do this no more. No, dude, you would like be putting this on Facebook if you got beaten. This is unfair. Justice for me, <laughs> you know. I'm just saying, man, bam, these guys got their backs ripped open. And then they said, now, let that be a lesson. Don't you go speak in the name of Jesus anymore. And they let him go. 
story over. Remember we talked about last week, and again, I'm almost done. When you start being a poster child for God and you preach, what comes next? Persecution. Even if it's nothing more than your friends not wanting to be around you anymore, or somebody not wanting to hear it, or somebody actually actively persecuting you. But that's not always, everybody's not going to be that way. There's some people that want to hear God's perspective. So as you preach, next comes persecution. And when you are persecuted, that causes you to do what? To pray. And when you pray, you receive power. And when you receive power, God sends you back out to do what? Preach, preach again. Which causes? Help me out. Let's go through a couple cycles. Persecution. and Prayer. Come on, one more time, guys. Do you see that's the cycle of a disciple? But if we're afraid at any point, and if we miss any one of those parts, we break the cycle. You're saying, dude, I want everybody to love me, and everybody, I don't want anybody to hate me, and then you, you won't preach. Because the gospel is offensive. You get through that, and you do that, but then you get made fun of, you get, you get persecuted, and then you don't know how to pray and receive power again, you'll never receive that power. If you don't take the power God gives you and use that to bring you back to preaching again, you break the cycle, and this is the cycle we see in Acts. So these guys, man, they preached, you know? They, they received power, they, they, they got persecuted, they prayed, they received power, and you know, here they're being, they're being persecuted again. They just got beat by a cat of nine tails. So what should they have done? What would you have done? <laughs> yeah, dude, you know what, God? I, I don't know, maybe I would have just said, give me a couple more times. Let me die and go see Jesus. But these guys knew that if they were alive, God wasn't done with them. Let's look at the last two verses. So they departed from the presence of the council, and they were crying, and they were sad. And they were upset. Yeah, governor, I followed Jesus, and now my back's all ripped up. <laughs> I mean, man, I'm like, oh, God, I didn't expect this when I gave my life to Christ. I thought he's a God of love. This doesn't feel like love to me. Man, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I expected. You guys said I'd be blessed. And they were. Is that what they all said in this? No, look what happened. They departed from the presence of the council. What's the next word? Rejoice. Dude, you ever rejoice after spanking? <laughs> oh, my goodness. These guys were rejoicing. What in the world would cause them to rejoice after having their backs ripped open? They were rejoicing. Look why they were rejoicing. Because they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Who set them up to get their backs ripped open? God set all of that up, and, and, and they told him to go back and preach some more. Everything they did was through obedience. So as they were being obedient, what were they showing God? Love. And when they got really beat up, they were showing God a lot of love. So man, when you get just piled on as a believer, man, understand you're only here for a little bit of time. And understand, nothing comes in your life except by God's design. And understand that he's going to make a way to escape in all of this. He's going to make a way out. But right now, he's given you the opportunity to continue to walk in obedience because it's the only way you can show him that you love him. 
you quit on them and go walk and run the other way, guess what? You're going to go live in that. You're going to start reaping those consequences. And at some point, you're going to come back to them again. Because you know he's the answer. You're going to have to catch all that up. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming and do it with the motivation of love. God, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know where it's all going to go. But I am going to be obedient. And I'm going to keep following you because I love you. And I know you can do anything instantly if you choose to. But since you haven't, I guess nothing needs to be done. I'm going to stay here and get the rest of my licks. I'm going to go back and preach even if they're going to do it again. But that's how they were able to rejoice because they had an opportunity to love, to love the one who loved them more than they could ever imagine. They were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And look what happened. <laughs> they did. Oh, by the way, to be able to rejoice in all of that, what do you think they had to do? <laughs> After you get persecuted, you then do what? Pray. You pray. <laughs> That's how they were able to see this from God's perspective and rejoice. And that prayer led to power, and then the power leads to? So look at the last verse. And what's the next word? Daily. Daily. Not after their backs healed up, not after they, they recovered emotionally because they've been so distraught. <laughs> not after they healed up, none of that. Daily, the next day, it says they went out daily in the temple and in every house. They didn't stop at the temple. They now started going to the different houses and they didn't cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. So man... You know, God sometimes uses persecution to spread his gospel. I'll tell you this story and we'll be done. It's, it's 11 o'clock right now, but check this out, man. Here's what, here, uh, everybody was getting comfortable in Jerusalem with this cycle. And God was like, no, I want you to get out of here and go preach it all over the world. And so what happened was there was this emperor named Nero. Everybody ever heard of Nero before? Nero, you know, the, the saying is he fiddled as Rome burned. Well, Nero loved to build. But the problem is he had built, he was like a developer on Jensen Beach and there was a condo on every square foot. Now there was nowhere else to build. So he's like, oh, I'm gonna do them a favor. I'm gonna burn down all their condos. Mm -hmm. How many of y'all would love for your vacation home, your condo, whatever be burned down? Would you be pretty stoked if the city council did that? Everybody like, oh yeah, burn it down. No. And, and he, he burned down Rome and said, I'm gonna build, rebuild it. And he thought everybody would be happy about that. He thought, yeah, because he was just a warped individual. So he burned it down thinking everybody's going to be happy that he burned it down. He's going to rebuild and make it better and bigger and newer. Well, guess what? People didn't care for that. That was their business. That was their home. That was their whatever. And, that, and so he burned it down, and they were ticked at him. And so he changed his story. And guess who he blamed it on? Who did, who did he blame it on? The Christians. The Christians. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, I was just kind of covering for those Christians. It really, it, it, it wasn't really me. I was just trying to cover. But since you're so mad, I got to tell you the truth. I'm going to come clean. It was the Christians. And so everybody turned on the Christians. The Christians were now being used as torches in garden parties. Go read about the martyrs, folks. You think you got it rough. They would wrap, take the Christians and wrap them in cloth soaked in a petroleum product, tie them to a stake, and they would light them and use them for torches at their garden parties. They say the Colosseum, the debris and the old and the ruins of the Colosseum now isn't dirt, but it's the ashes of believers that were that were were persecuted. They would have sport and they would send the Christians out and they would bet on how long it would take for the lions to devour them. 
they would put Christians and people out there fighting against each other for a battle and bet on who would kill who. And so the Christians were persecuted, so guess what happens? They started leaving, <laughs> and they started going to different places. And now the, that's how God used persecution to spread the gospel all over Europe. Most of us wouldn't be saved if he didn't do that. When James writes the book of James and Peter's writing his, his epistles, they're both writing to people that used to be in their church in Jerusalem that are now all over the place saying, I want you guys to know you're being saved. I want you guys, I want you guys to know that you're saved. I want you guys to know that this is for a purpose. Here's how you handle this persecution. They had to go through it first before they could help somebody else to go through it. So in this right here, guys, man, all I'm going to say is if you're a child of God, what you're going through is by his design. God's not surprised by anything that happens. And you're not buried. You just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep following him. Just keep seeing life from his perspective. And just keep helping everyone else see life from his perspective. You keep doing that, one day you're going to be able to look back and see the wake of his faithfulness and all that he has accomplished. But don't give up. And I'm just telling you guys, I wasn't real sure how all this was going to go earlier in the week and how, I don't got anybody's name on it, but that is a message that God's Holy Spirit has given for, to me for you today. I'm going to apply it to me first, but man, if anybody here is looking to slow down or give up. I want you, man, just to hear this. This is from God, not me. Don't give up. Just keep going. And you're going to have a great story to tell one day of God doing something so supernatural that only he could get blamed. That's the business he's in. But he's just looking for people crazy enough to do what he's asking them to do. Is there anybody here that's crazy enough to just do what he's asked them to do? Can I see your hand if that's you? Amen. I'm so glad to be in partnership with y'all. Just do it and keep going. Let's pray. Father, I know for a fact this is what you wanted to be the point today. Um, Father, I pray that if there is somebody here that is losing hope, has no hope, questioning their hope, that one, um, they would realize that the only one they can hope in is you. Father, I pray that if they don't know that they're your child, they don't know they have a home in heaven when they die, they don't know any of that stuff, that they would understand that the gospel says this. The good news says that Jesus lived a perfect life, died on a cross to pay for the sins um, of everyone who would accept him. And if they have the desire right now to surrender their life to you, and believe what Christ did on the cross is sufficient to pay for their sins. If they would just simply surrender, they could have eternal life and have that home in heaven and have you live inside them now. I pray, Father, that there's somebody in that position right now that needs that. You would give them a desire they can't refuse to surrender it all to you. But Father, um, I know as believers, we lose hope. We get buried. But help us see that these situations are not brought into our life to bury us, but instead they're to make us more beautiful, to make us more like you. They're there so that we can please you. You not only give us a situation, but you give us the faith to walk through. And I pray that you would make that faith evident to anyone needing it today. 
Father, we want to love you. Thank you for showing us that the way we can love you is through obedience. Father, we all want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servants. So, Father, keep encouraging us and showing us that with your power, we can be good and we can be faithful and just keep swimming. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.